want us to rethink uh, whenever we say the word evangelism. For most of us, we understand evangelism just as words that we speak, the, the things that are said to other people, uh, the things that we hand out, the people that we're, quote, praying for, um, the programs or the strategies maybe that we develop in order to evangelize our neighborhoods. We should be less concerned about that kind of stuff, I think, and more concerned about the way we live our lives. Uh, our outward expressions of the things that God is doing inside of us. Uh, our actions speak a lot louder than our words, and we're going to talk about that uh, here in a minute. But, but I believe, uh, over the last 12 or 15 years I've been on this journey with Jesus, that people are sick and tired uh, about hearing about Jesus and not seeing Jesus coincide with our words. Uh, I think that people are just, I think they're just fed up. Don't tell me about Jesus show me. Most people, I think, are from the state of Missouri. The uh, state of Missouri is the show-me state, right? We all have our state monikers, and I really do think that, that a lot of people think that way. Now, don't get me wrong. Our, I mean, our lives are not perfect, right? We all mess up, and if you don't mess up, you have messed up by thinking that you don't mess up, and that's a whole other sermon, right? But we all have struggles, we all stumble, we all fall, we all mess up, we all cuss out our neighbors and we freak out, and we just do things that are stupid sometimes, but I think the dumbest thing we can do is preach at somebody. So one thing that, that, that Pastor and I, we want all of us to understand that, that this walking in community deal that we've been doing the last several weeks, and we've got about three more weeks of it. Next week we're going to talk about journaling. The week after that we're going to talk about the importance of playing together and having a good time because we take ourselves way too stinking seriously, right? Especially second service. I don't know what their deal is. I mean, it's like two different animals in this place. You know, then the the week after that we're going to talk about the power of serving and the importance of serving other folks. But we want all of us to understand that, that this notion is not something that we're just doing for the this nine weeks. It's something that, that we've got to live out daily. So uh, over the next several years, uh, we're going to continue to to talk about walking in community and reaching out to others. And even in our growth groups, as we begin our new cycle starting in June and, and beyond that, we're going to have three weeks that are built into every growth cycle that talk about playing together, serving together, and walking together uh, in community. And so we're going to build that in. It's going to become part of our DNA here at Creekside. Okay, so let me give you a quick recap. Grab your uh, Bibles. Go to Acts eight. The first week we talked about the power of connection and the fact that that all of us um, get connected in different ways, and we're all kind of like Legos. And the the more we can come together and make something great, the better off we'll be. Uh, Week two we talked about the single greatest gift that we could give anybody is is the gift of Christ, just helping point somebody in the direction of Jesus. Third week, we talked about living in 3D, developing friendships, discovering stories, and discerning next steps, getting to know folks. Last week, we talked about grander vision living, and Pastor Jeff Reed uh, spoke to us about making choices in the here and now to make a difference in the lives of people. Uh, If you're part of our growth group, which there's 270 folks part of growth groups this cycle, if you were in a growth group this last week, you heard Bill Hybels talk about, you know, connecting with other people around parties and having backyard barbecues and just having a good time getting folks together intentionally and sharing what Christ is doing in your life, okay? So uh, today, we're going to talk about this notion of evangelism. Uh, 
let me, let me give just a little bit of background around Acts chapter 8 this morning. Uh, there are three major people, there are three characters in the New Testament with the name of Philip. Okay? Uh, we're going to talk about two of those today, but one of them was the son of Herod the Great. He was the uh, brother of the other Herod who had John the Baptist killed. Okay? If you're familiar with that story, that's one of the Philips. There's two others, one of which is one of the twelve disciples. He's known as Philip the Apostle. The other is known as Philip the Evangelist. That's kind of fun. Um, who is found in Acts chapter 8 and uh, also Acts chapter 6. So let's look at Acts chapter 8 together this morning. You should have been able to find it by now. Uh, I think God put an uh, index in the front for people like me who are slow. So um, we're going to look at beginning in verse 26, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning. And we're going to finish out Acts 8, and then we're going to jump into our teaching time. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert roads that run from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority over the Kandake, which is another translation that says Candace, which means the, the queen of Ethiopia, right? Uh, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31. The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him there. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Astos. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way uh, until he came to Caesarea. Now, I think there's some great things that we can learn from Philip the Evangelist based on this text. And we're also going to look at Philip the Apostle here in a few minutes. But the first thing that we need to understand that I think you need to understand as we de-four-letterize this idea of, of evangelism, and this is the first blank on your teaching notes, is that we must act more like a tour guide, not a salesperson. Okay? And again, no offense to anybody who's in sales, but if you've ever bought a used car, or a car period, or a washing machine from Sears, <laughs> right? No offense, but they hover like vultures, right? And they just kind of wait up on that front step, especially at the car lot, you know, and you pull in and you, you, you and your wife are probably sitting there going, oh, I don't want to get out because you see that guy's going to come over here. What are we going to do? Oh, I just really want to see the price of the car. So as soon as that door cracks, what happens? Man, they are on you like white on rice, right? 
We don't want to be that way. We need to be much more like a tour guide. This is everything that we've been talking about, everything we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks as we continue to think about this word evangelism. We're not selling them a product. We're not selling people anything. We're pointing people in the direction of Jesus. That's what a tour guide does. They, they point people to things. If you've ever ridden in a deal and you get some guy on the microphone, hey, on your right is such and such, on your left is such and such, and up ahead is this. Those are the kinds of things that we need to be more intentional about doing. We can't save anybody. We can only point them in the direction of the one who can. And that's our jobs. So think about this. We must act more like a tour guide and not a salesperson. That's what Philip did. He did that. He was a tour guide for the Ethiopian eunuch. The second thing we can learn from this passage is that we are all on a journey. Every single one of us are on some type of journey with Jesus Christ. Philip was a little bit further down the road, if you will, than the eunuch was. But it's interesting to note that the eunuch was on a journey himself. Did you see what the text said there in 26 to 28? It says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go down south in the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, uh, uh, the eunuch, who was the next person, the treasurer to the queen, high-powered dude, right? He'd gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. See, the eunuch was on a spiritual pilgrimage, People would go to Jerusalem from far away. They would go and they would worship. They would do a spiritual pilgrimage. They still do that today. And so he was on this journey with God. And he didn't understand everything about God. He didn't have a clue as to to what was really happening. But he was on this journey. And all of us are on some type of journey with Jesus. See, the point of salvation, the point of where you say, you know what, God? I'm just giving you my life. Just do with me whatever it is that you need to do. That is not the end point. That's just the beginning. I mean, things just begin to happen at that point. Philip was on a journey with Christ. The eunuch was on a journey with God. And Philip began to help him see the next blank for you is where God is already at work. One of the things that we have to do is we have to notice where God is already at work in the lives of other people. We have to be willing to notice where God is already at work in our lives. Philip was sensitive to this. He he was sensitive to where God was moving in the life of the eunuch. Acts 8, uh, 29-30 says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip just kind of walked over and took his time, right? And what's it say? You can read, right? What's it say? He ran. He didn't piddle around, right? God said, hey, go over there by the deal. Boom. He was on it. He didn't go, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I should do that. So our six-year-old godson says, I, I just don't know if I want to do that. No, he just, he ran over there to see what was going on. And then... He heard the guy reading from the, from the prophet Isaiah. And then he had the gumption to say, do you, do you have any idea what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? I was like, no, I don't have a clue. Philip had the opportunity to know what he was talking about. 
Philip knew the scriptures. Philip was further on the journey than what the, the eunuch was. See, too often we think about evangelism as, as you know, this is kind of a weird metaphor, but I'll say it because he already said it. You're getting the scalp of somebody, right? You know, oh, we got another one same today, preacher man. I don't know about that. We often think of it too much like that. Philip obviously didn't. He was sensitive to where God was already at work in the sky. He happened upon him because God appointed him to be there at the specific time that he was there. God can do that, by the way. And the next thing that he did uh, is very important. One of the things that we must do, we must develop friendships for friendship's sake. Just, just, Just to be friends with people. Not to get them saved. Do you have any idea how big of an idiot you would be if you became friends with somebody just to get them saved and then dumped them alongside the road someplace? I mean, what do you think that's going to do to their walk with Christ? Oh, they only wanted to, to get me saved and get me baptized, and they, then they dumped me. Man, God's going to do the same thing with me then. No, we need to develop friendships for friendship's sake. We don't become friends to, quote, win somebody for Jesus. You've heard it. Some of you have done it. We need to be their friend just to be their friend. Verse 31, the man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Philip's like, All right, let's just hang out together. Let's just spend time together. Let me, you're here on the journey. I'm here on the journey. Let me, let me point you in the direction. Let, let, me, let me show you what God has done in my life, and let me tell you some cool stuff about, about God. See, Philip befriended this man because he was sensitive to what God was already doing. And he took an interest in helping him understand what he was reading, not to get the holy scalp of him, right? He didn't do it, well, I'm going to get you saved. See, we possess something that's very, very important. We possess the Spirit of Christ. And we know that the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Now, some of us have heard, you know, the gospel means, you know, the first four books of the New Testament. Yes. Some of us have understood the word gospel to mean, oh, that's the gospel truth, right? I mean, that's pure truth. But the real translation of gospel is good news. The good news of what God is doing. Verse 34 and 35. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me. Did you hear that? Tell me. I want to know. Tell me. Was the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him what? The good news about Jesus. See, we, we understand. If you're sitting here today, this may be your very first time hearing this. Great That's why we do what we do. We want you here. If you've been here for a thousand years, right? And you've heard this time and again, sometimes you forget that the Word of God is good news. Sometimes we forget that this is absolutely the best news in the entire world, that our sins are forgiven. That one man paid the price for all of us so we don't have to suffer when it comes to our death. 
after death. That we get the opportunity, not the right, but the opportunity to join Jesus in heaven. If we say yes, Lord. That is good news. I think. I also think that that one of the biggest issues that that people who are far from God have with people who claim to be Christians is that their actions don't match up. They just don't match up with what they say. You know, Christians, I've heard, oh, I am just, I'm forgiving. I just, oh, I'm just, just, I'm just filled with forgiveness. And then they judge everybody that they come in contact with. They say that, uh, you know, I'm loving. I just, oh, I'm full of the love of God. And yet they treat people differently. Uh, They treat people, uh, they can't accept people who look different than they do. I just, I love you. Not really. Well, you don't look like me. We're not, mm, I don't know about you. Right? They say we're all created equal. In the image of God. But then they treat people differently if they're a different color than us. Right? And it goes always when it comes to issues like that. No matter what, no matter what. See, but people call followers of Christ hypocrites. I've had people look at me and say, oh, I can't go to church, it's full of hypocrites. And I've looked at them and said, guess what, you'll fit right in. I mean, you're, you're in the deal already, bro. Come on. Because their actions don't always match up with what they say, right? But see, if we don't come across as pious and holier than thou and, you know, all that jazz, people will much, be much more receptive to what God's doing in our lives. If we don't start preaching at them first, if we develop friendships for friendship's sakes first, it makes a huge difference. If we befriend them, if we just get to know them, if we just hang out with one another, if we don't start quoting Scripture. Have you ever heard somebody quote Scripture and then you realize, you know, and you're like, I've heard that. And then you look it up and it's not the right one? <laughs> happens all the time. I mean, I'd, I'd be real careful if I were you quoting Scripture at somebody. You better have your Bible out and, oh, that's not in 16, it's in 10. <laughs> you better know what you're saying. Well, you definitely don't want to lead with that. Hello? We gotta develop friendships for friendship's sake. We gotta see where God's at work. We gotta tell people the good news. We cannot. Uh, let me back up. I said this a minute ago, but we're all messed up. I mean, we're trying to grow in this relationship. We're on this journey. None of you have arrived yet. If you think you've already arrived, we're gonna pray for you after service. Okay, because you're gonna die. Because that's the only point where you have arrived is at death. You may, oh, I got this preacher. No, you don't. You do not have it figured out, let me just tell you. But we can't use that as an excuse to sin. You know, we can't use that as an excuse to, you know, to do the things, ah, to profess one thing, oh, I'm a a follower of Jesus, yet I'm doing this. We got to really watch that. Because evangelism is not only the words we speak, but the actions we show. 
It's not just the things that come out of our mouth. It's the things that come out of our daily life. One phrase that that I hate that gets used a lot is your actions speak louder than your words. Did you hear that? Your actions speak louder than your words. Uh, That's kind of like, oh, you're right. I love you, baby. Why are you so mean to me? See, Philip's actions were one of love and acceptance of the man who was a complete opposite of him. Did you know that? Philip was a Jew, right? He was, he was a Jewish guy. He grew up in the synagogue. I'm sure he got taught. And, you know, he was a follower of Christ. And he was all of those things. He was a ritually clean man for Jewish standards. The man in the carriage was an Ethiopian. An African American. He was black. He was ritualistically unclean according to Jewish law. He was a eunuch. Do you know what a eunuch is? Someone who works for the, the queen or, or in with any of the harems, uh, men who worked in there, they were castrated. So they didn't have any sexual desires or feelings for the, for the queen. So they could be trusted. Right? So pretty much polar opposites. A Jew, an Ethiopian, ritualistically clean, unclean, and yet Philip didn't care. He didn't look at the carriage and go, guess what, you need to be circumcised before I can get up in there and you probably need to go wash seven times before we can even talk. No, dude goes, hey, come up in the carriage, tell me. Philip's like, all right, let's go. So they began to have a conversation. Because Philip's words, or his actions spoke louder than his words. Mark chapter 1 verse 4 says this, that the messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show, to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Our actions speak volumes. And as a result of Philip showing love to the guy and acceptance to him, the Ethiopian then showed what he believed. Right? Acts 38, 36 to 38, as they rode along, they came to some water, and what happened? Eunuch goes, hey, guess what? I've heard this good news. I understand the connection between the prophet Isaiah and what, what Jesus has done and is doing. I want to be baptized. Why can't I do it right now? So they pulled over, and what happened? Boom. Philip dunked him. Now, I think that there are some things that we can learn from the other Philip as well. So we're going to talk about uh, Philip the Apostle, too. But that last piece, Philip's actions spoke louder than his words did because he accepted the eunuch just as he was. He didn't try to convert him. He didn't preach at him. He helped point him a little bit further down the road than where... He was whenever they first met. In terms of evangelism, we have got to be a tour guide and not a salesperson. We've got to remember that we're all on a journey. We've got to be sensitive to where God is already at work in somebody's life and in your own. You've got to develop friendships for friendship's sake. You've got to remember that the things that you're telling people is good news. Not judgment, not wrath, not death, but life. Now, there's definitely the flip side to it. There's bad news, right? If you don't submit your life to Christ, eh, not going to work out so good for you. 
Well, you don't lead with that. Hey, guess what? You're going to hell. You know how to get out of it? No, you don't start there. It's just silly. Our actions do speak louder than our words. So, we've, I've got four other things that I want to tell you about the, uh, Philip the Apostle. Okay? So, we're going to go back to, we're going to go to John 1, so if you want to flip back a few pages uh, to John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter 1, we're going to camp out there for just a couple minutes. I think you've got to flip over your teaching notes, too, if you haven't already. For those of you who love to fill in blanks, this one's for you, Okay? Number one thing on the back side, I don't even know where it's at. It's in there someplace. But, but belonging comes before believing. Okay? And, and let me show you. People come to faith in Jesus because of communities, groups of people that they're cared for, they're loved by, they're accepted in, they're not preached at. People begin to develop a relationship with Christ because they have the opportunity to belong first they have to have a place where they feel comfortable and and safe before they can believe i think and i think we see this in john chapter 1 verse 43 and 44 it's a story of jesus calling some of his disciples and the next day jesus decided to go to galilee he found philip and said to him guess what you need to go to the temple hang out Wash seven times, get cleaned up, make sure you're circumcised, then come back and we'll hook up. Then you can follow me. After you repent of your sins, be baptized and all that jazz, right? No. That's why I put it up on the screen. Because see, I can say that and some of you go, oh yeah, preach it. That's not in there. Right? (laughs) He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. All right. He didn't have to do anything, did he? He just had to go. He just had to have a place to belong. And Jesus said, you know what? Just come follow me. He was from Bethsaida, uh, Andrew and Peter's hometown. People who are far from God are not looking for somebody to preach at them. They already have a mama. There ain't somebody else preaching at them, right? Mamas, you know what you do. Oh, you should not be doing that. Oh, you should be doing this. They're not looking for that. They don't need somebody else whipping them and riding them too, right? Parents, that's what our job is. (laughs) Our own kids. They're looking for some place where they can just hang out, some place where they can belong, where it's safe and be accepted and loved and cared for and not judged and not manipulated. It's irritating. They want to know Now, I didn't put this in your notes. You might want to write this down because this is good. (laughs) They want to know that you care for them long before you tell them what you know. They want to know that you care long before you tell them what you know. Because what you know don't matter if you're not showing them care and love. doesn't matter. You could have the best news in the world. You could tell them you want a million dollars. It doesn't matter. No. They want to know what they're cared for. See, once we've allowed people to belong, once we've, we've opened up our lives and shared stories and, and shown where God's at work in us and developed friendships for friendship's sakes and you know, hung out with people, and this isn't, a, this isn't an overnight Pauline Damascus Road experience. 
If you don't know that story, Paul was walking along the road. He was persecuting the Christians, arresting them, killing them, doing everything he could. And God literally conked him right on the head and said, what are you doing? Stop it. Paul's like, okay, <laughs> you know, went blind for three days. I don't, know the, I don't know anybody who went blind for three days and then all of a sudden came out and said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I mean, it's a long process. It took me 10 years to come back to Christ. Some of you are still on that journey 30 years later. Man, hurry up and get there. This is good stuff on this side, right? Once we have earned the right... Okay, let me tell you this. Oh, gosh, I'm starting to chase rabbits. I'm going to hurry. You do not have the right to tell people what they should do with their lives in regards to Jesus. You don't have the right. It's not a right that God gave us. It's a privilege that we have. We have to earn that as a privilege to be able to speak into their lives positive things. I don't think we have the right to go, rah, 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 rah. That's, that's not it. Friendships are deepened and developed, and then there you can go, hey, you know what, let me tell you this. This is what God did in me. This is how, I mean, this is what happened, and this is how I got to here. And they'll look at you and go, really? Yeah. We're, you know, where's God working in you? I don't know. I don't know if I believe in God. Well, tell me your story. Let me, let me help you see where God's been working in your life. See, your personal story speaks just as much, I think, and sometimes more than what the Scriptures do. To somebody who's searching for God. They don't care. Who is Luke? They don't care. They don't care. First Corinthians, what? I mean, if we look at it, First Corinthians is really Second Corinthians, and Second Corinthians is really Third Corinthians, but they don't know that. Maybe you don't either, but it's in there, I promise. Paul says in my other letter to you, and this is in First Corinthians, where's that one? We don't know. What did he say? I don't know. Have a clue. They don't care what, what James said. What do you say? Tell me your story, they want to know. They don't care about Luke's story. They don't care about John, the beloved disciple. They don't care. They want to know what God's done in you. See, they know us. <laughs> they see us. We've developed friendships for friendship's sake. We've accepted them. We've loved them. In spite of themselves and in spite of us. And they want to know, people want to know how God has worked in our lives before we tell them how he can work in theirs. I'll say that again because that's good too. <laughs> God wants to know, or people want to know, how God has worked in your life long before they want to hear about how he can work in theirs. Have you ever had somebody, oh, God can do some great things through you. Oh, God can do this in you. God can do this in you. I don't care. What's he done in you? People don't care. They want to know how God has moved in your life first. See, it's important to tell the story of God in our lives. We're still in John 1. Next verse, 45, it says, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. 
See, he and Nathaniel were friends. They knew each other. They developed a relationship over years. Philip says to him, hey, guess what? You know all this stuff we've been reading about and learning about our whole lives and all this stuff that we can't really explain? Jesus is the guy who fills the gaps. All this stuff that's gone on in our lives over the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's because of this guy named Jesus. And guess what? I just found the dude. Nathaniel's like, I don't know about that. Does Philip start preaching at him? Does he start quoting scripture to him? Thank you. Two of you, awesome. Wonderful, you're paid attention. I feel like I'm in second service all of a sudden. I'll say that second service too. He doesn't. He doesn't break out the scroll and start reading from it. He doesn't say, well, you're going to hell unless you come with me. He says, come see for yourself. I don't know, but this is what I think. Let's go check it out together. That's a powerful testimony, right? Philip didn't say, hey, this is what God can do in your life, brother. He says, no, just come see for yourself. This is the guy we've been thinking about and reading about and hearing about. We didn't understand it, but he came to fill all the gaps. I, I just ran into him. Why don't you come? Just come check it out. Come with me. Join me on the journey. I think this is important, too, and I'm, we're going to have some fun with this. One thing that I think we got to remember, okay, and this is important. I got a lot of important things, don't I? All right, anyway. One thing that we've got to remember, and this is just my opinion. I might get fired this week. I don't know, right? But, but Jesus is not, he's not who most people think he is, who are far from God, right? Next blank, he ain't your mama's Jesus. Yeah, I said mamas. It's okay. But he's not your, he ain't your grandma's Jesus. Because people who are far from God, people who don't have an understanding of God, they see this white, I'm not being racially prejudiced, but Jesus is not white. He was a Jew from the Mediterranean for the love of God. I mean, he wasn't some fair-skinned, wimpy waif dude, right? He was a carpenter. They did not have a Saul's all back then, right? I mean, my Jesus is yoked. I mean, the dude is large, right? He's like the, what's this drummer guy's name? What's his name? He's huge. That's my Jesus. I wish he was playing today. We'd have fun with that. Are you here? He's not here. Good. I'll talk about it. He's in second service, probably. That's right. If I get bum-rushed on the stage next service, let's watch the video. It'll be fun, right? But, I mean, y'all have seen him. I mean, dude is, I mean, he's a big boy, right? I mean, he's just... That's, I think that's Jesus. He was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. He didn't hover around everywhere he went. Dude walked in sandals, through poop, through dirty streets. They didn't have toothbrushes either. Now, we've seen Jesus' pearly whites, stringy, blondish hair, emaciated. That's not Jesus. I mean, he's just not. I mean, he was literally, he was, I think, the most polarizing person in all of human history. I mean, he was polarizing. I mean, think about this. Jesus said this. 
eat my flesh and drink my blood. Say, what? <laughs> oh, no, that ain't happening. John chapter 6, verse 53 and 55. Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat my flesh, drink of my blood, uh, eat, my, eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person in the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Hello? That's a TV show on HBO, True Blood, right? (laughs) Jesus ain't no vampire. He's talking metaphorically. You have to have communion and fellowship with him. Okay, you got to feast on what he teaches. But in that passage, some of the folks were like, whoa, 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 you freak, we're leaving. And they left. They couldn't handle it. Jesus looks at people who are the religious leaders and calls them what? A brood of snakes. That's not going to make friends, right? Jesus did not hover. He didn't speak kindly to everybody. He didn't cuddle with sheep, right? I mean, he just wasn't. He wasn't this emaciated waif of a person, right? Matthew 3, 7 and 8. But when Jesus saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You guys really shouldn't do that. No, he says, you brood of vipers. He exclaimed, who warns you to flee God's coming wrath? Proved by the way that you live. You've repented of your sins and turned to God. Hello? You brood of snakes. Oh, by the way, you guys are going to hell. You're like whitewashed tombs. All clean on the outside and a mess on the inside. Not happening. Some of you will look at me and say, Lord, Lord, I have lived my life for you. And I'll look at you and go, I'm just really not sure who you are. Sorry. Down. <laughs> right? It's in there. Read it. I'm not kidding. Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say. He turned the law upside down for the Jewish leaders. He threw people out of the temple. John chapter 2 verse 15. Jesus did what? Made a whip. He didn't throw little marshmallows at them, right? The dude made a whip with some ropes and chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, and threw over their tables. That is not some wimpy, waif, hovering, cuddling with sheep Jesus. That's a dude who got ticked off at what was happening in the temple. And he made it known, this ain't happening in my daddy's place. He told people to sell everything they had and follow him. I don't know if I can do that. He called people away from their livelihoods, their families and friends to follow him. Hey, guess what? Leave your nets. Leave everything you've ever known and come follow me. Some said, okay. Some were like, no, you're crazy, man. I ain't happening. He also said that he could destroy the temple in three days and he'd rise again. Had an issue with that. He ate with prostitutes. And sinners galore, and he was even called, and this is my favorite word, one of my favorite words in the New Testament, he was called a wine-bibber. Wine-bibber means someone who has this propensity to drink too much wine. My kind of Jesus. (laughs) I'm I'm hooking him up, right? I mean, it says it. It's there. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, Luke 7, 34. And and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. My kind of Jesus polarizing figure. He said, you have to be born again. He spoke to women at wells who were non-Jewish. And his disciples go, what are you doing? 
you cannot be talking to her. And he goes, I can do whatever I want. Because nobody else would. See, the first century world, you couldn't talk, you couldn't talk to a woman. Could not speak to a woman. Couldn't do it. Jesus said, nah, whatever. He also said that he's the only way to heaven. How polarizing is that? So we got to remember that the Jesus people think they know is not really the Jesus that Scripture portrays. Because most people far from God think of Jesus as this white, wimpy, waif kind of guy or this, you know, whatever kind of thing. They don't understand the reality of who he was and who he is. Because they haven't been taught it. They haven't heard it. They've, well, maybe they've heard the other side growing up. See, Jesus is a whole lot more than he has been portrayed as. You've got to remember that. He did not, like I said, he didn't walk on water all the time. Right? He didn't float around like a ghost, like Casper. Right? He didn't hover. He got dirty. Dude walked everywhere except for the whole donkey thing coming in the city. I know, okay? But he walked everywhere. Dirty streets, filthy streets, poop-filled streets. It's just true. He's not the Jesus that most people think. He met people where they were. He met them where they were. And he pointed them to his dad. That's what Jesus did. I think it's a pretty good model for us. We have to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Above all else, above everything else, when it comes to this whole idea of evangelism and and speaking to the lives of people, you've got to remember that you are not alone. Jesus didn't put you in Martinez or Concord or Antioch or Bay Point or Walnut Creek or Pleasant Hill. That's the area that y'all come from. He didn't put you there by yourself. One, there are other people around you. But most importantly, he says this in Matthew 28, verse 16. The 11 disciples left for Galilee, and one of those 11 was Philip. We're still learning about Philip. Going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Pastor Jeff mentioned this last week. It's not go and make disciples. The real literal translation is having gone. He's assuming y'all are going. Having gone, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands I've given you and be sure of this. Y'all are on your own. (laughs) Sucks to be you. No. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. See, even if you feel like you're all alone, you're not. You must be the people who point others in the direction of Jesus, teaching them, crawling up into the, to the um, carriage with them, helping them see where God is at work, remembering that God is with you, You don't have to rely on some four spiritual laws or a megaphone to point somebody to Jesus. Those things don't work. It's your story. It's your life. It's what God is doing in you that's the most important. And the Spirit of God working inside of you. 
This week you're going to be looking, uh, those of you who are in our growth groups, you'll be looking at a, a piece of scripture found in John chapter 8 about a woman who was caught in adultery. This group of guys, the Pharisees, got to love those guys, caught this woman, brought her butt naked in before Jesus and said, hey, uh, law says we should stone her. What do you think we should do? He says, all right, we can do that. Absolutely, that's what the law says, but guess what? Whichever one of you is without sin, you, you start the deal off and we'll just follow you. Well, you can read the rest of the story in John 8. See, I, I hope that, that I've challenged you to kind of rethink some evangelism. Think about some places where you go on a regular basis and have contact with people. People, you know, you go to Starbucks a lot, you need to get to know the baristas. You need to, you know, we all shop at grocery stores, right? Get to know the grocery clerks. Get to know the servers at restaurants, pizza place, wherever it is, and begin to hear their stories and see what God is doing. Maybe list a few people by name. Just think about it. You are not alone. Jesus is not who most people think he is. Right? And we're all in this deal together. Let's pray together.